0: Good afternoon and welcome to the latest Auto Retail Live webinar in association with Motors, looking ahead to the retail car market in 2024. I'm Al Clark chairing this afternoon's session and thank you very much for taking time out of your day to join us as we explore the opportunities for the next 12 months with a panel of leading retailers sharing their thoughts and practical suggestions to be successful in the new retail landscape. As we reach the end of 2023, we are closing in on a new car market of around 1.89 million units. Now, this will be a growth of 17% from this time last year, from 2022, and remember that we have seen supply outstripping demand at this volume. The SMMT forecast a new car market of 1.97 million cars in 2024, which is around 4% more than this year. And of these 1.97 million manufacturers must ensure that 22% of the sales volume are zero tailpipe emission cars. Factor in interest rates, consumer confidence, and the values of used electric vehicles. And of course, it makes for a challenging business planning environment, which is why our panel is here to help you. Your comments and questions are, of course, central uh, to our discussions at Auto Retail Live webinars. Uh, So please do take the opportunity to pick the brains virtually of our panel uh, and make use of their expertise. We have, of course, just 40 minutes today. So suggestion, please enter your question now. And if you have comments, you can send them in the dialog box here on the webinar or our editor, Tristan Young, is monitoring Twitter uh, using the hashtag ARN live. Our panel today includes Phil Jones, the COO of Motors, providing us with consumer insight. Uh, James Brearley, the COO of Peter Vardy. Uh, with 15 locations across Scotland. We have Peter Smythe from Swansway in the Midlands, North Wales, and the Northwest. And Jason Cranswick, CEO of Marabeni Auto Investment UK, with locations in London, Manchester, Yorkshire, and the home counties. So let's to uh, our discussion. And first of all, uh, Phil, Phil Jones from Motors. We look ahead to 2024, Let's just start. We're not going to spend a lot of time looking back at 2023, but can you share the latest feedback from retailers um, in the auto retail barometer? Now, this is a twice yearly survey across a range of topics from showroom traffic and pre-registrations and profit and so on. Are we closing the year in a happy place? (laughs)
1: <laughs> good afternoon al i think um yeah to ask any car dealer if they're they're closing the year in a happy place is um is 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 trying to find kind of a row of, of light where there might not be one um but despite you know dealers generally being grumpy around kind of the winter slowdown um the barometer isn't actually showing a great great outlook it, it, it's showing slightly more um positivity around the economy as a whole which i think is reflective of the fact that June, there was a lot more instability, you know, we didn't know if interest rates had peaked or the such like, but we're still not in a brilliant position. So there was still kind of lots of negativity, but slightly less negative than before. But this flows through to dealers expectations for their own business. And um, dealers are generally expecting profits to decline, um, rather than kind of increase or, or stay flat. And the proportion of dealers who are expecting their profits to decline has increased. So people have got uh, more negative or bearish on, on on the future, so you kind of do have to squint at the data to try and find rays of optimism. People are expecting um, showroom visits to, to be down, albeit less down than um, than than this time um, in June, and you know even EV demand expecting kind of moderate growth rather than kind of anything particularly exciting. So I would I would say on the whole, people were clearly kind of a little bit grumpy um, filling in these surveys. Um, And certainly from the sort of the consumer demand side, we don't quite see that. So I would say that it's probably reflective of a market that has opportunity in it, but you just have to be probably quite smart to eke it out.
0: Mm. Well, full details will be in your January edition of um, Auto Retail Bulletin. But what's your what's your takeaway then from, let's do 2023, uh, Phil. I mean, it's been a roller coaster year, but what's your takeout as we sit here in December?
1: I mean, the key takeout, I think, is that um, people don't have any more money and stuff is more expensive. And unsurprisingly, that has flowed through to demand. So we've seen eyeballs go from younger cars to older cars and that's primarily led by price, but it hasn't been disastrous and there are definitely signs of optimism. And I guess we even go into the end of the year where we've gone from talking about stock shortages for the last kind of um, 18 months or so. And now actually people are starting to talk about being able to buy stock and there being profit opportunity out there. So again, I think dealers trade off a little bit of volatility and, it's about being agile and flexible and you know probably a bit of that entrepreneurial spirit that carries the industry through
0: let's turn to peter peter smyth from Swansea. welcome back peter um it's nearly christmas what's your end of term report then for 2023 in terms of your market with new and used vehicles
2: um i think if it, if it was um, if we were talking about the year i think the year started off very very well and certainly after september it started to fall away quite alarmingly, um, and has backed up everything that Phil has, uh, has, has has just said. Um, certainly with the used car correction that has taken place, it's meant that you're gonna have to move quickly within the market. There, I think there are two schools of thought out there at this moment in time, uh, with the used car correction. There are those that are holding on, hoping that things will get better. And there were those that have taken decisive action. And which camp do you sit in? I've taken decisive action, and it's felt painful. Um, but you know, there are certain franchises. If you take, for example, the JLR franchise, and where big ticket items have dropped ten thousand pounds, I don't believe they're going to get ten thousand pounds better come January. They might get fifteen hundred quid better. Um, so we've worked on the basis that the first blow is the best blow. Before we leave 2023, let's let's hear from
0: James. James Brearley, um at Peter Vardy. James, we're close to the finishing line um, this year. Are, are you now kind of in the mindset of clearing the decks and resetting for 2024?
3: I think the truth of it is, and I, I echo really what Peter said earlier on. I think um, you know it's pretty obvious when interest rates rose at the last time in July, that the market was very difficult. And I think for those people that sort of started to react then and probably pulled stocks down at that point, they're in a better position um, running into next year. But I do think there's some, there's, again, really to touch on what Peter said about, about new cars and out JLR as an example, which is a good example. I think what we've got is we've got a, a two speed market around used cars at the moment. So I've got some optimism around low price point cars. So if you look at cars that are circa, you know, circa under fifteen thousand pounds, if you think about it, the market correction a couple of months ago and well, during the last couple of months has brought those cars down quite substantially to a reasonably affordable level. So actually, you know, if you if you if you're somebody that has been put off a purchase, you're now looking, then suddenly there you know there's some demand there again, and you can see you know prices stabilising at that price point. If you go at the opposite end of the market where you've got, you know, for example, on the JLR point, uh, you know, JLR have, have sort of put a £10,000 FDA call it discount on Range Rover Sport. In a year, you've gone from a car that's an over car with lots of people going, this is really pleasurable, I can run one for six months and change it for no money to the point where suddenly those cars are now starting to lose money because there's 10 grand off a new one. So I think the reason I talk about two speed is I think there's a a section of the market we've covered that probably went into difficulties earlier in the year, that's now starting to recover and looks value. And then there's a sector of the market that I think still got quite a lot of disruption, largely because of the actions of, of the car manufacturers and oversupplies, the truth of it.
0: And, and are you focused now? I mean, as we sit, we're twelfth of December. I mean, kind of, there's, there's limited, I guess, action you can take to to make year end massively different. But are you are, are you thinking now? Are your thoughts moving towards twenty four? Are you still working on year end?
3: Oh, you have got to do both at this time of the year, have not you? I mean, as um, as we said a few minutes ago, as Phil said a few minutes ago. I mean, you, you know, it's a tough it's a tough end of the year. But if you're not working on what does January look like and getting out of the trap really quickly um you're probably behind the game i mean we you know we all know that the the most viewed day for car adverts is boxing day so if you don't have all of your stock on the shelves priced correctly and, and displayed correctly by now you, you've got a problem
0: there's the first practical tip from james um let's move to 2024 um and bring in jason cranswick from um, marabeni um auto investment uk jason you've obviously got a good spread uh, geographically um mm. uh, with your with your um network what is it that people are looking for from your experience in terms of the new car market i mean you know james talked there about you know a two speed market of a sub 15k and then um premium but in the new car space what is it is it is it a particular type of vehicle is it suvs versus saloons is it price is it size what do you what are you seeing
4: i think i think price is always an important factor and, you know in our brands our new car brand, invariably southeast asian brands you know japanese and some chinese brands now um and korean um and so i think you know there is price sensitivity i think we're seeing that some of our um, oem partners have come back into the market with tactical offers um those tactical offers weren't necessarily there um uh, earlier on in the year um i think we sell a lot into the B2B market as well. We're a big fleet business. Um, so, of course, that relies very heavily on the OEMs having stock available and strong competitive offers in place. So I suppose the narrative to a lot of this is, you know, things have become tactical again. The balance of supply and demand has ticked in the opposite direction to where we had been for the last couple of years. And so, um, you know, it's probably a little bit more of a push market than, uh, than we've known it for some time. I think as a dealer, what we've had to also do is make sure that we are delivering, you know, a great customer experience as ever. And, um, you know, that is a defining point because price parity is largely there across the market. Everybody's competitive. But how do you distinguish your services and your businesses over those uh, in in the competition? I think, you know, customer experience is, is a key part of that.
0: And is there any shift in in appetite from consumers coming into the showroom or, or, or getting in touch with you for a, a particular type of vehicle? I mean, I'm nudged towards EV. Are you seeing any shift in that sector, for example? Um, uh,
4: again, there's a north-south divide. So we've got businesses in West London that have always been you know, well ahead of the curve when it came to um, EV sales. Um, fair to say, I think there's been a correction there um, post October. Uh, with the government announcements around the deadline, it's maybe pushed consumers further away from EV adoption, uh, which I don't think has helped us. But thankfully, a lot of the EVs we sell are into businesses, and the tax advantages and the um, you know the, the 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 kind of imperative has been there, you know, for fleets and continues to be there for fleets. Um, we don't have the um, exposure up into the high premium and luxury brands, you know. Um, Uh, So a lot of what we're selling is, you know, is is mid-market and, you know, um, uh, there's been a continued demand for, you know, good good value, highly reliable, well-recognized brands. And we continue to push hard with certainly our MG products, for example, uh, where we're seeing that uh, consumers aren't prepared to step into uh, a, a Chinese brand, Brackets. Um, but but the questionnaire is one that they recognise as being something, you know, rec- you know, the MG brand is is, is recognisable in the consumer's lens beyond maybe some of the other brands that are coming into the market today.
0: You're watching the auto retail business briefing. We're looking at 2024. Some of the considerations uh, when you are planning and thinking about uh, budgeting and thinking about your go to market next year. James Brearley, can I come back to you on something we just touched on there? We touched a bit on EV. I'm thinking here about what the factors are that are in the market which apply pressure beyond consumer demand. Um, I mean, you've got the ZEV mandate um, and, you know, what in turn that means to you as a retailer. I know there's a political discussion about it and there's no EM angle to it. But but what are the factors like that that you have to consider in in 2024?
3: Okay, so I'm going to uh, this might sound a bit odd to the audience, but I'm going to describe it as a runaway train that we can't control. And what I mean by that is, if you look at, you know, as you said, the political side of it, and you, and you look at uh, where the car manufacturers are, and you look at all the, the, you know, the fines for too many ICE vehicles, and all of the factors that none of us can control, the one thing that you can absolutely guarantee next year, given you know the supply-demand position, is that EVs are going to get cheaper. So if you if that's the case, you know it's very difficult to sit there and, and plan your business around any used activity around EV, because you really don't know what price you're going to buy into and what price you're going to sell at. Now of course that's always that's always been the case. It doesn't matter. You, know, you have to watch. You're going to sell nearly new cars. You have to have to be careful of what's going on in the new car market. But as I say, EV for us just looks like enormously oversupplied relative to the true natural demand for those cars. And I think there's a whole load of dangers. I think. We'll we'll end up, um, as a a bunch of retailers, putting people into EVs that they're not potentially suitable for. So
0: I think that's a potential lookout. I think there's, you know, when when you say that, Jimmy, are you thinking in terms of the risk of mis-selling and and vehicles being backed?
3: Yeah, I think that's the truth. I mean, you know, if you think of um, the dealers are going to come, retailers are going to come under more and more pressure to hit a model mix of ICE vehicles versus EV vehicles. we you seeing that already. Then at the end of the day, retailers are retailers, right? So they're going to, you know, under under risk of losing margin, will try and sell cars in the correct mix, and that isn't particularly great, I don't think, from for the consumer story. So I think there's some um, I think some real lookouts
0: on the horizon for all of us, never not notwithstanding the the disruption to price. If you have. Comments or questions to ask to our panel, yeah, you can do so in two ways. You can type in a question um, in the dialog box here on the webinar platform, or you can use the hashtag ARN live. Um, James, stay with me for a second, because we, we've we touched on cost of living and interest rates. And Phil flagged that up at the start of the, um, the conversation, saying it's been a, a reality. Um, Things are a little bit better, but but is it still tough out there in terms of getting people into the vehicles they want because the prices are too high?
3: Well, I, I, the only thing that surprises me around the results of the survey is that people were saying it was potentially getting better. I don't want to be the prophet of doom, but what I do know, I've been in this business for you know, almost four decades, and the one thing I've learned over the years is the, the biggest danger to, the two biggest dangers actually to, our, to the retail industry, and yeah, I guess for OEMs as well, our interest rate rises and cost increases and right now we've got both plus a whole load of confusion around you know ice and and, and bev etc so I, I, from a cost perspective i mean we've seen all of us have seen extraordinary cost increases this year um which has caused some structural issues in you know specific types of business It's caused course issues everywhere but there are specific types of business that have been really really hard hit um interest rates you know let's be fair It doesn't look like they're going to come down any time soon. Even the most optimistic of us say maybe in the middle of next year by a quarter of a percent. In real terms, if you think about it, we've got price inflation over the last two years on new cars, which is now starting to correct itself because of supply. We've got price inflation on used cars, which is dramatically correcting itself and actually was entirely predictable. And then we've got higher interest rates and clearly rising monthly payments. And you know, clearly, the monthly payments are getting to a point where it's unaffordable for people because you know, customers have got their own issues with cost, whether it's in their own business or household. So, I mean, we've got a what we've got is a rapid slowing of the economy, and, I, and I'm not entirely sure that the Bank of England nor um, the government actually realise just how rapidly this economy is slowing. It, shortly, mm-hmm. you're going to see unemployment. That's a fact. I mean, you've seen, you know, you've seen an announcement from a major motor group today around high levels of redundancies. That's not going to be the only. I mean, they're not going to be the only one. Let's be really clear here. So, I think there's some messages that really have got to get through to um, to the economists. To for me, I think it's been a bridge too far. I thought it was a bridge too far, and I'm on record of 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 saying that sort of last July and August, and entirely predictable would be my view.
0: Peter, you're a pragmatic person. You're really clear, And, and I imagine that knowing the environment that James has eloquently described, you will have a plan uh, as to how you get the business lined up. So what will you be thinking about in terms of KPIs, recognising all those pressures of EV push, um, interest rates and and, and consumer confidence? How, how are you approaching 2024?
2: Well, just before I do, I'd just like to say that I totally concur with everything that James has said. Totally concur with everything that James has said. Um, how are we? What are you? So you're saying, what are we looking at to try and make 2024 um a success? Yeah. So how how are you going about it? Because there's a ton of problems.
0: How do you go? How do you get your team lined up with KPIs to measure and and move them forward?
2: Well, there's there's two areas. There's 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 new cars and there's used cars. So I'll deal with used cars first of all we will be looking at the old kpis of how many cars are overage what your stock turn is Um, those will be absolutely paramount more so in a market that is correcting itself because hopefully the vast majority of the correction has taken place but i'm not absolutely sure because of the things that james said it may um it may drops further so if you can sell your cars within the month that you buy them, you should be okay. If you look about, if you look at the correction that has taken place, and it's effectively a ten percent correction. And in a normal market, vehicles uh, depreciate by about two percent. What it's effectively meant is your entire inventory is over sixty days old, or it is in it was in October. So that's why we've worked very very hard to clear the decks if you if if, if you like for for january for january we have had a good year so we can afford to do it in the new car market i think that james may be right there may be a reduction in evs but it will not be be before the oems blame us for not selling the vehicles that we're not interested that we are turned off evs etc etc so um you know there is a major focus from us that whatever our target is in one particular month, be that 50 cars, that 20% of that is going to be EV uh, because it is a white hot subject that is not going to go away. And let's face it, eventually we will. all the cars that we're going to have to sell will be EV and the ZEB mandate is putting enormous pressure on the OEMs In fact, I would use the term fear has started to creep in. Hmm. So it's a two pronged attack of the KPIs of um, stock turn and selling the cars in the month that you buy them and and have a serious focus, not just on what your new car target is, but you need a percentage approaching 20% that you're going to have to try to sell to a retail customer.
0: Practical advice, that's what we're about. Thank you very much, Peter. Jason, do you think we've forgotten how to sell in a push market?
4: Um, have we forgotten how to sell? I, I think to everybody's previous references, we're a very resilient bunch. So I think we can learn it again. Um, I think we've got to go out and kindly remind ourselves and our teams of how to do it. Um, I think you know we've got, we've got to be management driven rather than market driven. And I think we've all enjoyed the market driven behaviours of the last couple of years. Um, And I think to Peter's point, you know, I've got effectively three KPIs in my mind, speed to sale, GP to DP and conversion. When it comes to speed to sale, we've got to make it quicker. When it comes to GP to DP, we've got to narrow the gap and conversion. I think we're all still kicking around with too low a level of conversion of opportunity. I bet we're still sat there with good businesses only converting one in four opportunity. It's got to be one in three or better. So I think, I think those KPIs would have stood up in anybody's check sheet 20 years ago. They've got to come back into play now. And I think, you know, to your earlier point, and funny enough, Peter and I were chatting early doors this morning about it. You know, we are having to remind ourselves of the things we used to do when we were great dealers before and start doing some of those things again. But what we've also got to do is make sure that we've got a, you know, well-informed you know data backed decision-making process that we can start to really codify into our business operations and I think that's what makes things different now rather than things just being a dark art as they used to be
0: yeah I'm sure you've got comments and questions to uh, throw into the conversation this afternoon and you can do that by typing into the dialogue box or using the hashtag ARN live uh, Jason before we before we move on uh, from from Zev Mandate, what does your crystal ball tell you about what's going to play out in in 2024 because we've heard james say you know prices um you know may well come down but are we going to have a pre-reg fest I, I, is that going to be there uh, or, or something else where, where do you see the, the 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 ability to make the market happen come from um
4: uh, i only wish i had a crystal ball it would help me certainly in board meetings <laughs> and that at a minute um uh, i've got a vision it's on the wall behind me but uh, i don't have a crystal ball necessarily um, I think, you know, if we all remember back to, to 2008, 2009, we were having very similar discussions at the end of 2008. And by sort of end of the financial year, a lot of the lost ground had been recovered in early 2009. Um, and the dealers that bought aggressively at the bottom of the market then, then you know, made great returns when the market returned in the new year. I can only hope that that's the case. but I don't think we can bank on that uh, at this point in time. There's clearly going to be a push into the market, and I think dealers are going to have to be incredibly resourceful to be able to find outlets for the stock that's going to come our way. And we're seeing this already that a number of OEMs are starting to um, couple up. You know, for every one of those, some of these have to come as well. You've got to do a load of those to make these ones pay. So, those kind of tactics are coming back into the market. So, we're going to have to be alive to that. and we've got to come up with solutions for what appears to be an upward only direction of cost. And, um, you know, that's something that that uh, we're going to have to come up with some new plans for because the upward only cost uh, trajectory isn't going to be covered by sustained margins. Margins are coming down. So we're going to have to be incredibly resourceful. Um, so those, those are the nearest things to sort of crystal ball hypothesis that I've got, but Uh, What I would say is, as an operator, we continue to be ambitious and confident about retail operations. I think we've got people with the skill set, mindset and tool sets to deliver great performance next year. What we've got to do is just make sure we don't score a load of own goals between
0: now and probably the end of this financial year. That that's the industry perspective. Phil, take us to the consumer perspective. There's so much debate around the the the, the EV aspect of it. We we've got informed consumers because you know your own platform. You know people have visibility; they can see things. But but how how much awareness from from your insight as motors have cons, do consumers have in terms of where prices might be going? What's the expectation do you think going into twenty
1: twenty four? Yeah, consumers are pretty savvy to be honest with you, and um stat that just came out recently from us is that the the buying journey the search journey has increased from 42 days in 2021 to 50 days you know this is an average of of averages but in general and unsurprisingly people are saying the car buying journey is longer they've got more information to take in there's noise in the market around kind of corrections in used car prices um i think there is a curiosity if not demand for EVs. I think lots of people aspirationally like the idea of owning them. You know, from used cars, it's still kind of relatively low in terms of like the proportion of kind of um, cars we have. But we are seeing 24% of car buyers saying they they now include EV and hybrid in their search. So it's now that market is going to get, get bigger. And so I think it's become more complicated. One of the markets more complicated because you've got um, ICE versus um, versus electric you've got cost of living pressures, you've got affordability um, costs to consider. So this is not gonna help Jason's kind of margin chase, but you're gonna have to fight harder at the top of the funnel sure. to, get, to get the visibility. And that can be really hard. So you know, focusing on being operationally slick and converting leads is still important. I mean, I've been in this job now 13, 14 years, And all the way through that time, dealers have missed 30% of telephone calls. Right. There are just, there are, there has always been these basics that need to be focused on. But that top of the funnel, there is, there is going to be an underlying level of demand. Most people are changing their car because they have to. And you've just got to make sure you're, you're, you're there visible and ready to react and ready to respond. So kind of to fast forward to kind of my tip. And I'll put this on on kind of our customers to come and ask us this question as well: is what what are people searching for? Understand how people are engaging with your stock and what, what people are engaged with in the market, and use that data so that you're you know you've got the right stock and you're marketing it and presenting it um, in in the right way because it is going to be tough to make sure you get the consumer's attention and give them enough confidence to to transact but is the consumer informed to the point where they understand the 22
0: percent they understand the political environment pressure and will sense and be becoming and be coming in asking for discounts i mean we saw the market movement by tesla uh, which you know sort of bump change changed things quite quickly but are consumers at that point where they will come in and go look i know you've got to get rid of that car so i expect a discount are they at that level or not
1: i wouldn't say they're quite at that level we saw Um, A change in kind of demand with the um, pushback of the government dates, we saw consumers, we were doing a survey literally at that that time, and we noticed that people said actually that desire to change right then and now, but, you know, people are in market for, you know, nearly two months looking for cars, they're watching the prices. They can see them kind of changing. And I think there's been so many attractive offers on new EVs. And, you know, like the chaps are saying, I think there'll be more of that next year. And the correction in used EV means that they're now kind of in line of sight. I think many people are aware that used EVs are, are much more attractive. I mean, Tesla Model 3s have been one of our kind of top selling, fast selling cars all year round because at, they're an aspirational car. And you now can get a decent one from the 30 grand. You know, consumers are are hot, You know, smarter on this and quicker to respond. I don't think they're kind of, you know, kind of making lists and kind of comparing prices, but they feel it. And it becomes real because everyone's budgets are fixed. And, you know, suddenly something comes into your, your line of sight and you're, you're able to take action on it.
0: James, just before we um, jump onto to some of the, the questions um, we've been receiving, I just want to ask a, a geographic question. Is, is there any difference in Scotland? I know, you know, it's, we're all part of the UK, but is there any difference in in, in your seeing regionally with the EV discussion uh, versus ICE?
3: Yeah, for sure there is. I mean, I, you know, if you take the extreme example, I mean, I've spent many years, as you know, operating businesses in London. So I know exactly um, what Jason was talking about in terms of, you know, there's a latent demand in London. Um, you don't have quite the same latent demand in Aberdeen, right? But then you have difficult, you've got other difficulties. And what I mean by that is actually, you know, in Scotland, the distance between towns is much greater, albeit actually it's easier to get around. But of course, what that then requires is you know, a lot more charges and a lot more, you know, ability to charge on the move kind of thing. So, yeah, of course, there's, there's regional differences. I mean, I live in, in uh, on the on the sort of English-Welsh border. And, you know, I think you could count the number of public charging points if I went west, probably on one hand between my house and the coast. So, I mean, you know, wherever you are in the country, there's a whole different infrastructure set up, is the short answer to your question. That well, isn't th- always understood by car manufacturers, let me tell you. <laughs>
0: No, true. And I, I'm reminded of Peter's um, observation about uh, the word fear. That's, it's interesting, uh, interesting point. In fact, Peter, l- let me start with you. A first question we've had um, this afternoon from John Murphy. Hello, John. Um, with limited retail demand for EVs, how do you balance your marketing spend for ICE versus EV?
2: Well, the actual amount of new car marketing spend that we as dealers do is is probably minuscule. i mean um i think the uh, our main marketing spend next year will be all in and around uh used cars because the market will be what the market will be if the new car if, if the oem decides to massively discount um uh, a a a battery electric vehicle and it is going on as we speak but it's going on via the back door through the broker system which is really quite ironic because it was the manufacturers who've told us that what the customer really demands is price parity and it's quite obvious to me that what the customer is looking for at the moment is a bargain um and I think they're the only ones that can actually do that. Our focus will be on advertising used cars at the right price. And as James said, make sure that they are prepared. They're on in the shop window, which means on the web, uh, price right, looking right. That's where our advertising spend will be next year and has been this year as well grand thanks peter um peter cottle
0: hello peter thanks for your question uh he says in these tougher times customer attention um is ever more important through contact strategies um thoughts in terms of actions being taken james you first and then i'll come to jason
3: hi peter good to hear from you um so yeah i mean i couldn't agree more i mean in a, in a world you know, Phil touched, touched on it earlier on, in, in a world where we are going to get fewer inquiries and we have had fewer inquiries, then the more activity around um, recent customers that have bought from you before, um, I mean, clear and, and obviously making sure that you deal with every fresh inquiry, but obviously the, the more work that you can, you can do yourself to regenerate people that you've dealt with before, I mean, clearly that's, you know, that's that's where the successful people will will spend their time.
0: Jason, what's your plan for addressing that? And particularly, yeah. you converted with conversion numbers.
4: Yeah, I think um, one area that we've gone back and looked at again this year is renewals. Um, you know, and uh, you know, for the reasons we spoke about earlier, that uh, you know the gap, you know, in terms of a key to key process, the gap's got a lot bigger. So we have had to go back and really redouble our efforts on how we make the contacts, what happens with the you know contract um, uh, review you know, the skills that we need to switch a customer into a replacement vehicle, you know, we need much more skill than we had before. So that's been a real area of focus for us. I think also going back into the market tactically, you know, whereas we could have relied for the last couple of years on people kind of coming to us and if we had the car, we had the trump card. Now we're actually having to push harder in terms of, uh, we're just running a, you know, a a golden ticket campaign now where, you know, a customer win a substantial um, reward in the new year by buying a vehicle in the run-up between now and Christmas. Um, you know, So we've had to go back to tactical initiatives. Um, and then also just going back to basics in terms of the sales teams to make sure that we don't have open leads in the systems. So um, it's definitely a back to basics initiative um, and reskilling or upskilling our teams to
0: do the things very well that will retain a customer. Peter, I've noticed. Uh, I mean, it may just be where I am, but that certain more activity in terms of engagement by post of all things. Actually, I mean, you know, maybe we're all getting sick of emails, but something drops in the in the letterbox. It does catch your eye. You do open it. You do have a look at it. Are you are you
2: are you finding different tactics work better? Um, I think the uh, the I I'm I'm not a great advocate of the post. I mean, the first thing I do when I get any newspaper is uh, if I buy it at a service station, I take out all the fillers, put them in the bin and then put the newspaper in the car. I, I, um, I don't think that post is the way forward personally. Um, I think that um, the way forward is uh, uh, via email, but more importantly, following it up with the phone call when you're talking about your own database. Um, mm. So I think the email contact as a taster, followed by um, actual uh, physically uh, picking up the phone and and, and speaking to the customers, I think going down the post route smacks a little bit of desperation. It sounds a bit eighties and nineties. I'm not saying what we did in the eighteen nineties was wrong, uh, but I don't think it's right for for, t- for today's consumer. There's
1: nothing like, like picking up the phone, phone is there's one thing to add on that, which, again, I shouldn't say as a classifieds, really. But one of the things that comes out of data is people want reassurance. Yes, things are more expensive, but people are less likely to give up on things like warranty. So when you are talking about reengaging your customers, coming at it from a point of actually we can be supportive and kind of help you through this, actually that's helpful. It's confusing buying a car actually to have a, you know, a trusted kind of kind of retailer working with you. And helping you is a real chance to get that goodwill instead of you know just coming across as junk mail
0: mm. yeah no interesting phil um interesting question from rupert rupert saunders hi rupert um how important will brand and model name even be for chinese uh brand growth in 2024 because there's lots of lots of companies appearing we, we had um was it uh, GWM just changed the uh, funky cat name so how important are those uh, brands and names in 2024?
1: So I think brand always has a prestige, particularly when it comes to that kind of final bit of conversion. Um, but consumers are price-led. And um, we did re- data a survey recently. I haven't got the data to, to, to mind, but more consumers were open to considering the new entrance into the market than you, you might have thought. And price might kind of get them in. And then what you just need is, you know, Someone in the cul-de-sac has one and you get curious. So getting them into people's hands um, will start building confidence. I mean, everyone uh, we were talking earlier today about, you know, how positive people perceive Kia. This is a, this is a battle that can be, can be won with sustained investment and quality products.
0: James, am I right in remembering that, that Peter Vardy's jumped into the market? Would I, do I remember correctly or has my brain failed me? Jumped, in, jumped into the market for what? In terms of Chinese brands, I, did you not take oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Funky Cat? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: for sure. So, yeah, we supply um, Aura products, and uh, we we're now big with MG. Um, and, and again, you know, I, I kind of echo what was said earlier on. I mean, the the Chinese brands, particularly MG. I mean, if you think of MG, MG is really clever, isn't it? Really, I mean, the cars are designed in London. They look European. They're great quality, and they're incredibly good value. So they've got every every piece of ingredient that you want actually in the type of market we're going into. Let's be fair, but it, you know what's happened there, as we all know, is you know the German brands have moved away for a whole host of reasons: electrification, cost, and building cars, etc. They've moved away from the market, the, the sort of kind of mini market that they took over from the likes of Ford and Vauxhall a decade ago. So it's left some clear open space in that kind of sub twenty five grand area, and MG are in there with a. With, you know some really really good products i mean you, you know, mgzs if you look at it retail offer is 240 that's I mean, a small SUV for people that aren't familiar with it but it's out there at 249 deposit or 259 or whatever it is 259 deposit, 259 a month i mean that's incredible value for
0: money so that but mg's that, in that so sorry james but james, mg's in that place but but something like aura and and other names that are kind of coming to market that people aren't familiar with is that a barrier or is the does the does the pound speak? No, the pan speak. I mean,
3: for sure, the pan speak. I mean, they, you know, or a funky cat, as we all used to know it. It's, I mean, an awful name. Let's be fair, but the car is actually a good car with a decent range, two hundred and fifty mile range, and it's you know one hundred and seventy quid a month. I mean, it's you know, it's actually it's cheaper than a bus pass actually. So it, you can't not be successful with it
0: now there's a there's a tagline it, it's cheaper than a bus pass you can't go wrong with it i can see that on the adverts not coming through the post though peter um cliff deller uh, cliff had a question um, Who says for for the retailers there you go um are manufacturers talking about used agency um, and would you choose to partner with a new battery vehicle entrant who's agency only or one who adopts traditional franchise model i'm going to go straight in with peter because
2: i could probably guess what he might say i'm going to come to jason um well it's it's interesting actually because i mean i've got on record for saying that i'm extremely skeptical about agency just at this moment in time uh with uh, one of the manufacturers that we work with are due to uh, go down the agency route, some in january and some in april from an ev perspective and i'm actually looking forward to that uh because that that will take some very expensive cars off our balance sheet um I look there's a agency's got a long way to run yet on the new car side before I believe they can at all think about um, getting involved with the agency with the used car side. I just see I, th- I just think that that one has been put in the the long grass. Let's face it, there are OEMs that are having reservations, about agency as we speak you only have to look at Stellantis have put it off bmw have put it off um, mercedes-benz are fully into it um and you know there are some people who are at the top of oems um, who have um decided that working for an, o- an oem is no longer for them and, and and if you look at a lot of the oems you can see there's an awful lot of very very clever people who've left that um, that, uh, that that uh, that the, that particular OEM. Well, all OEMs actually. I think there's a degree of sceptibility on on both sides. But as far as used is concerned, I think we're a mile off that because I think we've got a fair amount to run with the new car side things. Jason, what are your thoughts?
4: Um. Uh, I don't know if you can see it behind me in our vision illustration, agency is a headwind that we've been sailing into for some time. Uh, I'm with Peter. I think think. the question is, is is it true agency? In the day of true agency, where the liability for balance sheet is not on our balance sheet and the market steering is only that of the OEM, and we're in a position where we can effectively be final point of contact to the consumer for fulfilment, then that's a good place. The reality is that's not the version of agency that's often being put forward and described. So I think it has to come back to a very pure agency. Um, And and I think, uh, you know, to to Peter's point, you know, this is something that's been given a very firm punt out of 2023 into 24, indeed 25 by some brands. So let's see what happens there. And I think we're a long, long way away from a true agency being a used car feature as well. But, uh, you know, in its purest sense, it's not something to be scared of. There's many upsides for a dealer. But in an unpure delivery,
0: we get all of the downsides and none of the upsides. This has been the auto retail business briefing for 2024. We're not done because we have practical tips from our panel. Um, I am going to ask Phil, Phil Jones, um, CEO of Motors, what's your takeaway?
1: Uh, my takeaway is to look at the top of the market, look at the funnel, look at... The page views on the cars you've got in stock ask your advertising partners what people are searching for um because we're going to have to kind of have sharp elbows when it comes to getting in front of consumers
0: peter
2: smythe uh, from Swansway, what's your tip to take away uh, it's a very practical tip what i would say is uh, as a as a sales manager or a head of business i think what you need to do you need to look at your salespeople who have not sold a retail ev in the last two months and ask them why because one thing you can bet your bottom dollar is the oem will they will be asking us why why haven't we sold those vehicles good tip
0: jason what's your takeaway tip from thinking about
4: 2024 uh focus like a laser on customer lifetime value i think that's the single biggest lever you can pull.
0: and finally james brearley ceo of peter vardy
3: so, my, mine would be simply this, buy really well, be very selective about what you buy, sell very quickly, um, look at every area of cost continually, because that isn't going to get easier for you, uh, and watch new car activity like a hawk. And uh, to expand on that, just an, and touch on the point earlier raised on agency, if you, just to put a perspective on the market from an minute, if you look at some data that ASI published last week, it showed that Mercedes-Benz in the last 12 months according to ASI, have spent 156 million more on supporting their cars into the market in the last 12 months. Now, if I were still a Mercedes-Benz dealer, I'd be sitting there saying, you know, agency maybe isn't a bad thing, because that's 10.8% of the retail price of every single car. So from a protectional point of view, that's probably protected the dealers really well. But if you're, a, if you're somebody looking at buying used cars next year, and you consider buying Mercedes products, as an
0: example, I'd be very careful at at what you pay for nearly new cars. Thanks, James, and thank you to our panel, and thank you for joining us today for the Auto Retail Live Business Briefing. Uh, We'll be back in the new year, uh, but from all of us here uh, on the programme, from Tristan, uh, our editor, thank you very much. All the best for the end of 2023, and here's to a prosperous and successful 2024.